Have you ever heard the saying, birds gotta fly? Well, for some birds, that's impossible. God has created some beautiful flightless birds. Evolutionists claim these creatures used to fly, but gave up that ability. We'll take a closer look. Stay tuned. If evolution is true, then you should have everything improving, and it seems like evolution is going in the wrong direction. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. There are several kinds of birds that can't fly at all. Others, like our Thanksgiving favorite, the turkey, can only fly enough to get off the ground and land in a tree or escape out of a bush. What's the difference between birds that can't fly and those that can barely fly? Evolutionists believe these creatures lost flight control because it just wasn't necessary to have. Join us for the next 15 minutes, won't you, as we discuss turkeys and other flightless birds. To begin with, let's talk turkey. Americans have enjoyed turkey as a Thanksgiving tradition for decades. Dr. Dennis England is a professor of biology at the Masters College in California. He tells us the name turkey is actually somewhat a case of mistaken identity. In fact, Aztecs domesticated wild turkeys before the European explorers came over to the Americas. But where they got the name was from the Europeans because the African guinea hen was imported from Africa into Europe by way of the country Turkey. And so when the first settlers came over to uh, North and South America, the fowl that they saw, they confused it with the African guinea hen that they called the turkey back home. So they gave it the name turkey. And that's why we call them turkeys today. Over here. Although turkeys certainly can't soar like eagles, they do have some flight ability. Biologists puts them in the order of Galeiformes, along with chickens, pheasants, partridge, grouse, and quail. They're known to have fairly short wings, which really limits their ability to fly. I would call them flight-limited birds myself, which when you watch them, you don't see them flying like other birds will fly as a normal lifestyle. They usually walk or run. In fact, they waddle usually. They usually have a small head, uh, rather thick, hefty body. Dan Breeding is an animal trainer and founder of Creatures of Creation, a non-profit animal shelter which offers educational animal shows. Turkeys actually aren't really flightless. They're limited flight. They have what they call rapid flight for limited distance. Um, they're not constructed really to fly long distances like, say, a falcon or a, or even a macaw or an albatross or, or a, a bird that's a, in a completely different family. Some of these flight-limited birds have a special beauty. Dr. England. One of the characteristics of the turkey, in fact, this whole group of birds, is that the males have an exquisite plumage, brightly colored, long tail feathers, with which they impress the females. This basically enhances the mating ritual that they go through as well, and that's very, very complicated with birds. There's a interesting reference to birds in the book of Job. Uh, again, this is God speaking to Job. He says, Gavest thou the goodly wings of the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? See, the peacock and the ostrich are in the same order with the turkey. What he's saying is, did you give them the fantastic plumage to the male birds with which they attract the female birds? Like, everybody knows the tail feathers of a peacock. Well, male birds are very exquisite as well. Uh, male turkeys are. 
but they have limited flight, and the main thing that limits them are short wings. So what gives these birds the ability to fly at all? These birds, the turkey, in fact, you know when comes Thanksgiving and you eat the turkey, you've got the huge muscle attached to the breastbone. They've got that keel, which means that they do have limited ability for limited flight. But limited, very limited. If you've ever seen a wild turkey flushed out in a meadow, you know that it'll fly up in the air and go to the other side of the meadow and come back down again. So they don't really fly like migratory birds as such. They don't do that at all. So there are birds that are flight limited, and then there are those that are totally flightless. Dan Breeding. The ray tights which includes the ostrich, which is the largest bird in the world, standing at eight foot from Africa, the rayas of South America that look similar to the ostrich, five foot, the cassowaries and the emus of New Guinea and northern Australia. Cassowaries are five foot and emus are six foot. Now, all those ray-type birds are flightless. The kiwi bird, being unique without a tail, is flightless in um, New Zealand. Why do evolutionists believe flightless birds could once fly? Dr. Job Martin is host of the videos Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution. They're looking through glasses that demand like millions of years or at least hundreds of thousands of years with bird evolution. And they would say that, well, since we've been here millions of years, these flightless birds must have been birds that at one time could fly and then they started living in an environment somewhere where they didn't have predators, and so they didn't need to fly. So over hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of years, they lost their ability to fly. Dan Breeding says it's hard to find a book about animals that doesn't teach evolution. They blatantly say this in these books, that evolution had some kind of authority, like evolution was a god itself, and would put these creatures in certain areas and would stop their evolving process because there weren't any predators that they had to fly away from. I mean, that right there, if you read between the lines, is contributing to intelligent design. In other words, our God of the Holy Bible that tells us that He is the Creator. Dr. Martin. If evolution is true, then you should have everything improving uh, as it uh, evolves ever onward and upward. But then you think about these flightless birds, and it seems like evolution is going in the wrong direction because many of them, uh, matter of fact, most of the flightless birds are already extinct. They, they couldn't handle it in the world as it is. And so I think these flightless birds are a good example of the fact that our God created things just like he says he did. And because of sin, we have the death and extinction, and we don't see these emerging new life forms that we should see if evolution is true and if there is no God. One good example of the myth of evolution is the flightless cormorant of the Galapagos Islands. Dr. England. It's a species Nanopterum harrisi, and uh, this bird is rather funny. It's as big as a goose, has little puny wings, and no large breastbone or keel that uh, normally flight muscles attach to. Now, Darwin, when he explored those islands, the Galapagos Islands, he said that give it time, say 100 years, you will see more exquisite forms. You will see new species evolve in the islands. He called it the laboratory of evolution, the main testing ground for evolution, because they're isolated. 
outside of uh, outside influences. As we can see, Darwin was wrong. What's happened is we've seen over the years degeneration occur. And one example of that is a cormorant becoming flightless, actually flightless, because it doesn't have the breastbone which anchors a flight muscle, so the muscles cannot be large enough to be flight muscles. So that is a truly flightless bird. So Darwin's experiment has demonstrated that with time there is loss of genetic information, not gain of genetic information. Dr. Martin. The evolutionists, I think it's wishful thinking on their part. They would like to see some things like the cormorants uh, begin to fly or or maybe the uh, cassowaries or, or some of those uh, flightless birds begin to see, whoop, I'm not making it in this environment. I, I need to evolve something here to help myself out. I, I think I'm going to start flying again. Well, you know, it seems to me if they went from flying to non-flying because of their environment, why are they going extinct? Why aren't they evolving back into birds that can fly again? Another example of a totally flightless bird is the kiwi of New Zealand. Dan Breeding. It's a little one-foot size type of bird. It's got non-typical feathers compared to all other birds. They're wiry-like feathers that come out of um, a shaft and are constructed completely different than the typical feather on any other bird. And uh, they don't have a tail, which is necessary for flight, um, like an airplane needs a tail or a helicopter needs a tail. And they also are very unique in the sense that they're one of only two types of bird in the whole world that have a sense of smell. Dr. Joe Martin agrees that the kiwi is an extraordinary creature. The little kiwi is the only bird I, uh, that I know of that has its nostrils right down at the tip of its beak. And that's because it finds its food by smelling. It, it doesn't see very well. It can only see about six feet at night. Uh, in the daytime, it can hardly see at all. So it goes out at night to find its food. And it digs around with its beak and, and eats grubs and worms and insects and things like that. And it's just a fascinating little bird. Another interesting thing about the kiwi is the size of its egg. They lay an egg that weighs about a pound, but a, a big kiwi might only weigh five pounds or, or six pounds or, or so. And so sometimes the egg they lay is like 20% of their body weight which is amazing. When you think about an ostrich, you know, it'll lay a three-pound egg, but it only weighs maybe 300 pounds, so that's only 1%, maybe at the most a 2%. They have an ability to lay an egg that's absolutely huge compared to the body weight egg ratio of most other what we call birds. We mostly think of birds as flight capable. Why are the flightless type called birds as well? Well, it's more of an anatomical definition than it is a functional definition. You see, a biologist looks more at the anatomy of the animal. In fact, it's because of the presence of feathers, actually, that we say they're birds. That's usually one of the key initial traits. This is what's created such conflict with the Archaeopteryx as well. However, some secular biologists are trying to force evolution into the classification of animals. They've come up with this notion that birds are reptiles. In fact, there's even a comparative anatomy text has come out recently where there's not even a chapter called birds in there. They've got them under reptiles, which is a real distortion and confusion. Uh, it really defeats the whole purpose of classification then. Our faith should never rest in what men say, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dan Breeding sums this up. 
he gives us proof right here on earth that he is the creator. And he tells us that for those that don't believe are fools because they put their stock in mere men and the fallible minds of the scientists that are trying to attribute all of this to you know, the Big Bang. Matter of fact, from uh, Romans chapter 1, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, we can either put our faith in human fallible analyzing of the creatures of the world or we can put our faith in him and his holy word that he has given us the handbook of life as our program comes to a close we hope that you've been encouraged it's our desire at icr to show that the bible can be trusted both historically and scientifically and to give facts that will build your faith as christians we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs we pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the bible you know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.